Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Lonnie Jenkins. Welcome, friends, to another session of Global Answers. We have been for the last several sessions on shadows from the Old Testament, and there are some actually shadows in the New Testament also, and that's been our subject matter, and we're going to continue on that. And we initially began with uh, Brother Stephen Strew, who's here with me in the studio again, and we dropped in a while with my son Jeff and I, and we took a session, and then now we're uh, back with Stephen in the studio after he's been over to a trip in Germany and back again, and so now we're going to continue on our subject matter. And so I'd like for Brother Stephen, if you would, if you don't mind, Brother Stephen, to start out shadows for the people in the uh, viewing audience. Um, going back to the uh, topic of shadows, we um, have a wonderful shadow that is often, I think, misunderstood, and that is the, uh, the shadow of uh, Moses uh, preparing Aaron for the priesthood. And uh, you'll find this in uh, Leviticus chapter 8. Um, and there's six, uh, the, uh, there are three key verses in Leviticus chapter 8. It's uh, verses 6, 12, and 23. And uh, what those verses uh, do is they describe the process that Aaron had to go through uh, in order to be uh, consecrated or prepared for the priesthood uh, to be the high priest. And uh, it says Aaron and his sons. And so in the... Uh, in the Gospels, the first uh, events uh, that we uh, read in Mark's Gospel about Jesus' life was uh, getting baptized, that he mm -hmm. had to go down and be baptized. Now, we know that John was baptizing for repentance. Jesus didn't need repentance. So what was Jesus' baptism uh, for? And understanding types and shadows is really important when we come to the New Testament because the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Jesus does something. What's the reason for that? We have to go back into the, into the school to the schoolmaster mm -hmm. to find out. And what we read in, uh, in, um, in Mark's gospel as well as the others which record Jesus' baptism is that uh, Jesus uh, told, told John uh, that uh, it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, when John hesitated to baptize Jesus, he says, oh, I'm not worthy. Jesus said, no, John, we have to fulfill all righteousness. Now, we know that to a Jew, righteousness is the law. That was the Old Testament. The only righteousness is, is the righteousness of the law. And so John was reminded of something in the law that was necessary to be fulfilled in order for Jesus to take up the office of high priest. Paul tells us in, in Hebrews that Jesus is a, is a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. And uh, we, we have to ask ask ourselves, when was Jesus consecrated or prepared in an Old Testament manner to be the high priest? Mm -hmm. And uh, the answer is in the passage in Leviticus that I just mentioned. In verse 6 in Leviticus chapter 8, it, uh, it says that uh, Aaron uh, was washed by Moses. And uh, then in verse 12, it says that uh, uh, anointing oil was poured over Aaron. And uh, then in verse 23, it says that blood from the sacrifice was placed on his right ear, his right thumb and his right big toe. And uh, that was then fulfilled in Jesus' life because Moses was the prophet that washed Aaron 
Jesus was the, uh, the one that was going to be high priest being washed by John the prophet. So we have that same parallel. Jesus was washed. Uh, and then, of course, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove. That was what the anointing oil symbolized that Aaron had poured over his head. And then finally, when Jesus went to Calvary, uh, he had blood, obviously, for the crown of thorns, if nothing else. The crown of thorns would have produced blood running down on his ear. He was nailed in his hands and his feet, and there would the blood be applied to his thumb and his big toe. A beautiful uh, fulfillment of an Old Testament type that uh, had, was fulfilled um, in a remarkable way. And once again, it just shows the, 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 um, the precision of Scripture and how we can put our trust in the Bible because events that happened so long before are now being fulfilled um, almost uh, without knowing it. In, in the New Testament. And of course, we also know that Jesus was the sacrifice and that as a lamb, uh, sacrifice in the Old Testament had to be washed. So Jesus had to be, had to be washed in order to be uh, the sacrifice for mm -hmm. our sins. Right. I, on that same type, as you're talking there, I could see other symbolism too. We know that Moses, the word of the Lord comes to the prophet. And so consequently, Moses being a prophet, he represented the word to the age. Amen. And before Aaron and his sons could enter into their ministry, they had to be washed by the word for right. that age. Amen. And so then, then they could go on. And then the blood applied to the thumb. That's what it you works, do. Right. What you do works. And to your big toe, watch, watch your walk. Walk, amen. And then was it the ear? Yes. And then the ear, watch what you listen to. Right. And pay heed, amen. you know. And so all of it by the blood sanctified in what, what you listen to, sanctified in what you do, sanctified changes your walk. So and then we are all priests now. Oh, we are yes, kings and right. priests. So we are priests after the same order. And we have to intercede for one another as well. Right. All the things that Jesus does. Yeah. And then it, and Paul wrote in Ephesians that we're washed by the water of the word. Amen. And then Jesus said in, in John uh, that, let me think how he worded that, you are clean every whit by the word that I have spoken Amen. unto you. Right. So, so that same process goes on. It started with Moses in the Old Testament as a shadow of the uh, prophet washing the priesthood. And then, of course, the anointing oil, that types the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And uh, I want to say this, that no man has a right in the pulpit to minister the Word of God until he's been washed by the water of the Word and have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Have you got another one you'd like to share with us? <laughs> well, I, I always... Uh, um, like to think about when we think about the sacrifice, Jesus being the sacrifice is once again the Old Testament. Jesus was the uh, um, was the antitype, as it's called. He was the fulfillment of the shadow of the lamb sacrifice, and the lamb sacrifice uh, was originated. You'll remember, obviously, by God in the Garden of Eden, when uh, Adam and Eve sinned, he killed uh, an animal and clothed them with the skin of that animal. And it would be appropriate to imagine that animal uh, was a lamb, just because God is so consistent. But when we go to the next time that uh, uh, this uh, process is, is dictated by God, it's, um, it's with Moses at the Passover, when the children of Israel are about to leave uh, the Promised Land, just before that God uh, had uh, told Moses, the firstborn of every would be killed if they didn't have blood applied to the doorposts. And it was very specific um, 
how the blood was to be applied. Uh, a weed called hyssop was to be dipped in this uh, animal that had been properly prepared, and uh, then the blood was applied to the uh, side posts of the door, as well as the lintel. That's over the over the door, over the the middle of the door, we'd say. And so there was blood up at the top. There was blood on the sides. Naturally, with the blood dripping down from the top to the bottom, we'd see these four distinct spots of blood as we approached that doorway and uh, the firstborn had to be under that blood. He had to be inside in order to be protected from the from the uh, angel of death. And so the uh, the blood applied to that door uh, would be exactly uh, the appearance of a cross mm -hmm. with blood on each side, blood at the top, blood at the bottom. You'd have the, your, the positions of blood that we just described with the ear, the hands and the feet. And here's the the key for me is that the 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 one who was go, whose life was at risk would have been most concerned about how mm. critically the the blood had been applied, and he'd be out there inspecting it, making sure it was just right because his life was at stake. And I believe for every believer, it's the same. Uh, our lives are at stake. Our eternal life is at stake, and we'd better make sure that we have the blood properly applied. And we know what that is today. What the blood is today. Uh, and that's the word of God, and we need to make sure that it's just the way God said it. I think I think probably going into shadows and the the, the blood word, because remember the Bible says that that Jesus was the Word made flesh. So in the, in this one sense, the Word bled for you, and so it's, we could call it the bleeding Word. And then that's why over in 1 John 1, 7, it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another, you and God. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin because we have to be in that word for the day, that walking in the light as he is in the light. And, and Brother Stephen mentioned uh, Exodus and, and the Passover. Well, of course, when we bring that into the New Testament, that's communion. And so I think that might be a good thing for us to tie, jump into right now, Brother Stephen, is, is uh, communion. And so in the, in the Passover, the, the New Testament tells us that Christ is our Passover. And so we go back now in our thinking now to the Old Testament Passover, and it was the one that Stephen was just speaking about in the night that Israel was to go out of Egypt to the Promised Land. The blood had to be applied over the door. And uh, remember, this is a Passover night, and God says he called it the Passover because all those that were under the blood, the death angel would pass over the people, and the firstborn would not die. And so that was Passover judgment passed over those people who had uh, properly applied the blood. And so when we go into our types in Exodus chapter 12, in fact, in this one, I think I would like to look in my Bible because the types are so abundant, abundant there, and I didn't mark mark for it but it's uh i just wanted to jump on it while we were while we were there and this this may step on some toes for some of the people in your church ritual but remember our program is based on the idea that we want to take the people back to the word so please pardon us if, if the word steps on your toes it's not us it's the word so 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 in uh, exodus exodus chapter 12 and then there's going to be every lamb for the house. We know that, that, that of course, the lamb, of course, is Christ, the, the perfect lamb. It says, you shall kill it in the evening. And if you, if you can search your Bible through a computer or something, you'll find that whenever it came to the unleavened bread and this, and this Passover sacrifice, it always added the words, in the evening, in the evening. Right. And so consequently, friends, 
to stay with the shadow, your morning communion services are not scriptural. We're to take communion in the evening. And then also that, that when, when, uh, uh, when our types go on forward, I'm going to have to jump back and forth because this one I didn't have any notes written out on here. But when we, when we go forward to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Paul is initiating the communion that... Chapter 11. You're right, chapter 11. Then he is uh, initiating uh, the, the uh, communion there and then he, he was... He, he took them back, I would guess by vision, to the night that the Lord was going to be slain and, and what happened, which we can read that in the, in the Gospels. But, but they said, this, is my, this bread is my body and the wine represents my blood. And many churches use grape juice, but everything in symbolism by God has to exactly follow a natural pattern, the natural typing it. Has to, has to match what it's supposed to do spiritually. And grape juice can get old, it can mildew, it can go bad, and it has no life in it. That spirit, as they call it in a, in a fermented drink, they say it's a spirit. And so therefore the blood of Jesus Christ has spirit, has life in it. And, and communion wine has spirit, life in it, if, if it's following the symbolism. And wine, the longer it's uh, treated, the better it gets. And the longer you're under the blood, the better it gets. And grape juice doesn't type those things. So consequently, it's not a proper type. And then it was to be unleavened bread. Of course, that's no sin, no malice, no everything. As Christ, the perfect Lamb of God, the unleavened one, uh, would have been unleavened bread. And yet some are so sloppy and they'll take a little bit of uh, maybe a loaf of white bread and grape juice doesn't match the types. We're, 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 we're being too loose with, with the Word of God. And I'm sure there's more symbolism there, but that's the only ones I can think of right off now. How about you, Brother Stephen? Well, can you think of some more? Yeah, just the, I wanted to go back to um, the, uh, the unleavened bread, because I think that one's very critical. Mm -hmm. the, both are critical, the wine and the, and the bread. But the bread, remember Jesus said in is it John chapter 6 that I am the bread that came down from heaven. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus said, I am the bread. Now um, in, uh, let's see, uh, I think it's also Corinthians and I believe it's, I believe it's chapter 5. Um, and I can't remember now if it's first or second, but it says that uh, talking about leaven is talking about the leaven of the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. And uh, he says that uh, this is malice and wickedness. Mm -hmm. And I can say this as well, that in the Hebrew, the word for uh, leaven is chemetz, and chemetz means pungent mm -hmm. uh, or odorous, uh, and obviously not something good. And so when they had the Passover, they had to leave all the leaven out of their bread because it was going to symbolize Christ. Mm -hmm. And he had no sin, no malice, no wickedness mm -hmm. in him. Right. And he would be anything but pungent. In fact, the scripture says he was a sweet smelling mm -hmm. savor. Mm -hmm. So the bread has all the symbolism, which uh, when we're approaching the communion service, we're remembering his death. That's what Paul says. And uh, if we're remembering his death, we're remembering the price that he paid and the precision Again, of Scripture. You know what, Brother Lonnie, remember Paul said in Hebrews, in, in Corinthians 11, the passage you're referring to, in the same night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. Do you know that when Jesus died, it was the middle of the afternoon? 
and yet God made it night. Remember, <laughs> the, the darkness came on the earth so that the type wouldn't be broken. Now, God went to a lot of trouble to make it look like night when mm. Jesus was crucified. Can we not go to a little more trouble to make sure that our remembrance of that mm -hmm. uh, period was, was accurate? Mm -hmm. And so the unleavened bread uh, doesn't make any sense um, if, uh, if it becomes leavened, because then it's no longer typing Christ. In fact, if you go to Leviticus chapter 23, it says that when the church was inaugurated, that as a symbol on the day of Pentecost, when the church was inaugurated, then it had leaven in it. So mm -hmm. leaven is a type of us, not of Christ. Oh yeah, that's the two wave loaves. That's right. Jewish and, Jewish and Christian church, and they both had leaven, so there's problems in the church, but there's no problem no in Christ. No problems with Jesus, right, amen. Right, yes. Yeah, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where we were reading while we're talking about something here, I just want to go on. This may not be much of a shadow, but it's, but it's, it's worth, worthy of mentioning since we're talking about, talking about communion. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Now, that's not the rest. I'll get to the rest of the verse in a minute. So therefore, we're identifying by this and taking proper symbolism, we're identifying ourselves with the body of Christ, the unleavened one. And so if we're defiling this body with uh, smoking, drinking, uh, doing things that, are, that we know Jesus wouldn't do, and then taking communion, we're asking for big trouble. And so because we're not, we're not identifying ourselves properly, and we're not judging ourselves in the in the light of Scripture, and then and then goes on to say, "Eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body." And of course, that's the body is that is not uh, thinking back to Calvary. That's mm -hmm. not discerning mm -hmm. the Lord's body. The, for by one Spirit we're all baptized into one body. So the Lord's body is is that body of believers who by one spirit have been baptized into that body. And so then when we fail to discern the Lord's body, what this body represents on earth, this is the dwelling place of Christ in, in these church ages. Christ dwells in the true church. And so we're failing to recognize who and what we are. And then, of course, we must uh, also equally recognize Christ in each other in, in that fulfillment. It says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That's dead. So therefore, we can see this is serious business to take communion right. properly and to, to recognize the body of Christ and identify ourselves with that holy body uh, that I, I take this communion because I do not this and I do not that because I'm identified with the body of Christ and I recognize Christ in my brothers and sisters. So this communion is not just a little ritual that we go through. By the way, we only have three rituals that God has given us in all of the New Testament. That's water baptism, communion, and this one may shock you, foot washing. That one didn't stop either. Jesus commanded, commanded us to wash each other's feet, and he did not tell us to stop doing it anywhere. So those three things, communion, water baptism, and foot washing, those are the only three ordinances that we that we're supposed to go through. On the rest of the way, we're walking by grace in the power of the Holy Ghost. You want to carry on? Brother Lonnie, there's a, a point that you mentioned um, that I wanted to pick up on, and that was the victory that we have um, uh, as Christians. We're mm -hmm. supposed to walk uh, in, in victory. We, we are, are, uh, we're more than overcomers through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. The first mention of communion, remember that was uh, back with uh, Abraham. 
Remember when, mm-hmm. when God came down and, uh, mm-hmm. and met with Abraham and, and Abraham gave him a tenth of all that he had? Mm-hmm. And As then in God in the form of Melchizedek. God in the form of, of Melchizedek, which mm-hmm. we know that Jesus was foreshadowed or typed by Melchizedek. Right. Paul says that in Hebrews. Yeah. And so when, when Abraham, without knowing anything, sees uh, this um, uh, God form coming towards him, which we know now as Melchizedek, he says, uh, oh, I must give him a tenth of all that I have. Mm-hmm. And, and in Interestingly enough, and this is another topic altogether, Paul tells us that it was Levi, who was his great, great, great grandson, was actually prompting him to pay tithes mm-hmm. uh, because Levi would eventually live off those tithes. Very interesting. That's another topic. But the point is that at that first communion service, if we can call it that, when, when he hands over a tenth of all that he has, he also then has bread and wine with uh, Melchizedek. But that was after the battle of the kings, mm-hmm. after he had rescued mm-hmm. Lot. Mm-hmm. And it was after a great victory that uh, he celebrated communion. And so, of course, Christ's death is a great victory. And our acceptance of what Jesus did at Calvary is a great victory for us. Mm-hmm. But we shouldn't taint that with not living in victory mm-hmm. in our lives and then mm-hmm. taking communion. Mm-hmm. It was after we got the victory that, uh, that the mm-hmm. communion becomes important to us. Right. For the viewing audience, some of you may not be familiar with uh, Melchizedek. Uh, you can read about him. Paul writes about him in Hebrews chapter 7. And, um, and he says he was without father, without mother, without beginning of days or end of life. And so that can only be one person that had no father, no mother, had no beginning and no end. That's eternal. It's only God. So therefore Melchizedek was God in a form coming down the same way that God was in Melchizedek manifesting to Abraham, then God in Christ manifested to Abraham's seed and and, uh, the true true believers. We are Abraham's seed when we have put on Christ, as Galatians tells us. Amen. You got another one. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, the, you know what? Um, as we are going through uh, the preparation for this, it's amazing how many uh, types there mm, are. Yes. And it's almost like they're, they're unending. The one that comes to mind, because we're talking about Calvary again, is Moses, um, which in the life of Moses, you'll see many, many types. Uh, right from when he was born, the fact that uh, the children died. Uh, when uh, Satan tried to get, the, get Moses and had all the children killed that he could, all the boy children, I think, at that time. And when Jesus uh, was a young, young child, again, uh, mm-hmm. Herod tried to have uh, the children killed. So there's a lot of parallels in Moses' life. But the one that's the most interesting is that after one of the times that uh, Israel had sinned, the Hebrew children going through the wilderness had sinned, um, uh, then uh, the snakes came out and the snakes were, were, were biting the, 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 uh, them and, and killing them. Uh, by their thousands. And uh, God told Moses to fashion this uh, brass serpent on a pole and hold it up. And then he told the people if they would look at that, that, uh, that, they, would, uh, that they would live. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, of course, is a beautiful type of Christ. Uh, maybe you could explain a little bit more about that, Brother Lonnie, the, well, the, we, the brazen serpent. Yeah, we, f- we find that uh, the uh, altar of sacrifice was brazen or brass. And so therefore the serpent being made out of brass types judgment because sin is, was judged at the altar and so the, the brass of the serpent represents sin judged. And so there, and the serpent represents sin. So sin was judged and of course the sin was judged and it was on a stick. So consequently that was Jesus Christ being judged on Calvary. 
the sin that he took upon himself to be judged on, on Calvary. And then the scriptures just says in, in the Old Testament type, just look and live, look and live. Amen. And then those that would look at the serpent were instantly healed. And we know that through Jesus Christ at Calvary, not only was sin dealt with, but our healing was also. Amen. And, and sin and healing, you have to remember before there was any uh, sin, there, there was also no sickness. Amen. So when sin came, sickness came. So the same, same work on Calvary that took care of our sin also took care of our sickness. Now, many people find it easy to reach back and take a hold of the, the Calvary for salvation because that's almost kind of like an unseen but then to reach back and take a hold of it for feeling, then they, excuse me, for, for healing, I'm sorry, for healing, then, then they have a tendency to look to their feelings to see if they got it or not. Right. We don't look to our feelings. We look to the Word of God. Amen. So, there, so as nev God never asks anyone, do you feel it? He says, do you believe it? Mm. And so consequently, look at live is look at the Word, receive the Word, and your salvation is there, and your healing is there. And there's so many types uh, there. I, I think of the time that... Uh, uh, there was the split sacrifice oh, yes. within the, in the life of Abraham and uh, that he divided the animals, but yes. he didn't divide the turtle doves. Right. And the divided animals, of course, types Christ in the Old Testament and Christ in the New Testament. Salvation was under the regular lamb and under the true lamb, but in the New, but in the New Testament... Uh, excuse me, but in the doves, that was not split because that was divine healing and God has been a healer all the way from Amen. the Old Testament into the, into the New Testament. And friends, we're running out of time, but we've got many more shadows for you and I'm looking forward to sharing more with you. Well, in my heart, I want to tell you about the cherubim. I want to tell you about the cherubim. So join in next time with us and we're going to jump into this with, with both feet, friends, both feet. And when you can see the shadow of things that are to come, you can more appreciate the reality when it comes to us. And this is the Old Testament and the New Testament, a shadow of things to come. Paul wrote in the book of Hebrews. So this is not our imagination, it's reality. Now this next session, as we discussed uh, just a few moments ago, we want to go into the cherubim. We find it's an extremely important subject out of the Old Testament. The first assignment, as shown in Genesis 3.24, after the fall of Adam and Eve from the Word, the Scripture says, He drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims, there's our subject, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So now we know the assignment of the cherubim. They must keep the way. The way is not to be lost. And we find in the New Testament, Revelations 2.7, it says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the Garden of Eden. So there's a promise then that there will be overcomers that will eat of the tree of life. And of course, the only source of life is Christ. So in every age, there's a source, a way that to find your way to Christ. And that's the very purpose of this program, friends. We want to help you find your way to that tree. Stay with us.
Friends, today's program is one of an eight-part series entitled From Shadow to Reality. This series is available on three DVDs and may be ordered by writing to us at Global Answers, 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio. Our zip code is 45801 here in the USA. Or you may visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. Please take some time to look around our website. You'll find a variety of files for downloading, as well as a link to our resource center containing many Christian books, CDs, and DVDs. Thanks for joining us, and may our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.